Amen. Thank you. As I told the first service, as I look and prepare and throughout the months, I put notes down of things we might talk about, visit on, and, and uh, so I happened to be gone last week when my son Nick spoke, and I wasn't quite sure. Normally, we really kind of talk about each thing that we're going to visit, and we're all always having pretty similar overlapping messages. If you've been here the last uh, three months, you'll understand they've been overlapping, basically telling you that uh, you're going to have pain and trials and sorrow and loss in this world. And if you can accept that and begin to say, how can we have joy and victory and, and all of the, the things that God promises in the midst of those things, that's been kind of the theme of what we've been talking about. So I had some notes. I thought these are really kind of lined out for the first time I've got them all set together. And so as I was listening online to Nick's sir, or message, I, I looked at my notes and this is pretty much what happened. Uh, he had pretty much said everything that I was written down. And so, so I said, well, that's interesting. Where are we going to go from here? So I think for your benefit, it was definitely for mine, uh, God zeroed in on one point that we're going to talk about today that uh, maybe for some of you this may be quite repetitious. To me, it was revolutionary. It was new to me. It was something that God took to a deeper level than I had seen before. And so we will kind of in summary talk about kind of the, the things of thanksgiving, the things of being grateful, and the different roles, but we're going to spend the major of our time uh, on the last part. Uh, in Ephesians uh, chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. He then goes on in Ephesians 5, 19. He says, make melody with your hearts to the Lord, uh, always giving thanks for all things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Father. And so we're, we're, talk, we're talking about giving thanks, and we're going to visit uh, a little bit today on gratefulness and, and thanksgiving and, and, uh, and to, be, to be a blessing and to be blessedness. And... Uh, we're going to start with the, the issue that, that we've been talking about over and over and over again, and that is thanksgiving, gratefulness to the triune God. The triune God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, just for some of you, by the way, the Father, nor the Son, nor the Holy Spirit are jealous if you talk to one other than the other. Okay, They're one. So if you're always saying Father and you get in that habit, believe me, you'll move sometimes to your Son. Sometimes you will start calling God by his names because of where you are. Uh, and so you begin to get uniquely visiting and proclaiming praises to God. So first of all, I think, and foremost of all, we are to be grateful, to be thankful uh, to our triune God. Not just him and his character, but the reflection of his character that you're going to see daily in opening your eyes in this world. We live in a hint of a shadow of Eden here on this planet. And there are beautiful, beautiful things that you're going to see. If your eyes begin to be trained to be thankful and grateful to God, 
I assure you of something that I've seen not only in my life, but I've seen it in the lives of others, is the more that I see and acknowledge something that God's hand has touched and thank Him and grateful in, in a form of praise to Him, the more my eyes get open to the next things. And I begin to see all kinds of things that remind me of God that before didn't. So uh, I'm going to read you. Normally we stand in Scripture, but I'm going to ask you this time you can do what you want. Uh, this is a longer portion, so if your legs would be shaky, just listen as I read to you a psalm, Psalm 145. It says, I will extol thee, my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you, and I'll praise the name of God forever and ever. For great is the Lord, and he's highly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. So one generation shall praise your works to the next, and the, they shall declare your mighty acts. And on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on the wonderful works, I am going to meditate. And men will speak of the power of your awesome acts. And I will tell of your greatness always. They shall eagerly utter the memory of your abundant goodness. And I'll shout joyfully, gratefully about your righteousness. For the Lord is gracious and mercy, slow to anger, great in his loving kindness. The Lord is good always, and his mercy are over all his works. And all of your works have given thanks to you, O Lord. They speak of your glory and your kingdom, and they talk of your power, and they make known to the sons of men your mighty acts and the glory of your majesty of the kingdom. This kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. For the Lord sustains all who fall and raises up all of those that are bowed down. This is our God. Isn't that incredible? I mean, that alone, if you just stopped and meditated today, uh, it could be enough. It would, it would fill your heart. And so I encourage you to be grateful, to be thankful, to be blessed literally means bring forth what is desirable and favorable and kind. It brings healing and it brings out in the open things that you see. Secondly, in, uh, in Philippians and in uh, Ephesians 1, it says, I give thanks in all of my remembrance of you, my brothers. And uh, the Psalm, I think it's Psalm 16, I think it is. And he says, and the saints, the, the brothers and the sisters that are in the world, they are the majestic ones in whom is all of my delight. And when they're your delight, we are to bring forth and bring it out in the open. The, the things you see in people, the delight, begin to be grateful and thankful. And once again, if you notice something in somebody and, it's, and it rightfully belongs to them, they're the beneficiary of that compliment. And if I was to go ahead and say to Donovan, it's like, God has laid this on my heart and I bring it forth to him and thank God for him and thank Donovan for who he is. Then what happens is my eyes begin to be opened even more for seeing it in more people. This world trains you, this government trains you, this churches trained you to look and judge people at what's wrong with it. And we get filled with judgment. The news fills us with judgment. The church messages fill us with judgment to look at what's wrong with people. Now, I'm not asking you to be ignorant of things. It says to be wise. But I think if you would begin to be 
open to the, the blessings that God lays on your heart to people and to do so, it would be life-changing. As I was preparing this message, I was hurrying out the door because we had left a car somewhere the other night. Uh, and so I was hurrying out and God said, go back and had me go back. And he said, I want you to do something. I want you to bless somebody today. And so I went back and, and did what he asked me to do. I have no idea the result of it. I have no idea what will be, but I said, you know what, God, I'll be available because I do know this, that in doing so and be obedient to that, then all it says that I'll know the next things, whether they're from God or men. So then there's the blessing of people. But I'm gonna emphasize another issue today, and this is the, this is the part of the message that uh, profoundly hit me. Uh, I think we have little, uh, we've, we've weaved around, surfed around, or swam around this truth. And I believe we've done it in a really good way. But I believe there's a place to go deeper into this. And what I'm talking about is that God's design of you, okay, is absolutely perfect. We've been told we talk about new identity and I remember about 40 years ago when, when I began to talk about it, I hadn't been hearing much about it from anybody. I hadn't heard very many people. And sometimes when you don't hear things from other pastors, you gotta question the fact that whether I'm right or I'm really messed up because other people should be talking about this. Well, a lot of the times you just don't hear other people because your eyes have not been opened, your ears have not been hearing what's been you know, screaming in your ears all that time. But you all know that we've been teaching here that you are a son or a daughter of the Most High God. You're made after the holiness and righteousness of God. You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood. You're perfected in the fruits of the Spirit. And therefore, God has done what he wanted to do on the cross. When he was on the cross and he looked at you and picked it out and he hung there, he said, tell us it is finished. You're the way that I want you to be, and I love you the way you are. You don't want to earn it. You can't do anything to get rid of it. I love you flat out who you are. We've heard that. We've, if you've been here, you've heard that unless you sleep a lot. Okay. <clears throat> but I want to take it a step deeper. I want to take it into the belly of this truth, <clears throat> and I want to kind of share with you some things that begin to happen. Uh, listen to this portion of scripture from uh, Psalm 139. And I'm going to read it from the message just because I think it's interesting. And I think the guy captured it pretty well in the message Bible. He says, oh yes, you shaped me inside. First inside, then out. You formed me in my mom's womb. I thank you, high God. You're breathtaking. My body and soul, I am marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation you've made. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made, bit by bit, how I was sculptured from nothing into something. Like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you in the days of my life, all prepared before I lived, even one of them. Quite amazing. Did you think that about yourself? Quite amazing. Well, here's where we're going to take this today. Uh, it's, it's, it's okay, and we all understand, we all embrace when God talks to us about giving back to him what is rightfully his and praises and thanksgiving, and he likes it. 
And he says, not what you do to the least of my brethren, that you do unto me. He loves it when you're grateful and kind and thankful and praising to the brothers and sisters. I know as a parent, one of the neatest and the most awesome times of my life was when I saw my siblings giggling and talking and being kind to one another. Now I have the same feeling when my grandchildren are giggling and kind and friendly to one another. And I know that God does the same thing. But I have to say when it comes down to you and me and our own self, this verse in here in Psalm 139, it says, therefore I give thanks to you always. That word thanks is an interesting word. It's the word yada. And it's kind of like yada, yada, yada. I've heard that and I used to say yada, yada, but I didn't know what yada meant. I didn't have any idea, so I decided to look up. I thought it would be the same as the other words, thanksgiving, but it was broken up into a compound word, and the first part of the word means to cast out, to throw out, to make something secret out into the open, to throw it out so it is seen. I'm no longer hiding it myself. I'm no longer blind myself. I'm actually throwing it out in the public, and it usually is related to sin. To throw it out. And the second part is then be grateful and thankful for that which you threw out. Now let me try to put some skin on this or some flesh on this. There are things about you that you do not like, I assure you. You have been affected by the curse. That's when man decided that he could be man apart from God. And so the fall came in, and man basically was born into sin and his curse. If you do not think you've been affected by your curse, take your clothes off, stand in front of a mirror, and stare at it for a while. Okay. Some of us would instantly know we've been cursed. Okay. The older you get, the more you think you're cursed. Okay. But it's not just that. So I am going to challenge you for this week to do some things. I believe it will be a key to open up the door to let the first two we talked about flow easier. You will be able to be more grateful and thankful for other people and seeing them if you go ahead and do this. So we are going to break down all that God designed in you, and I want you to begin to look at it and be open and honest with this. And yada, that means give thanks in this way. We'll start with this. It's the easiest. I want you to stand in front of the mirror. You don't have to get undressed. Stand in front of the mirror, if you want to have the full effect, get undressed. And look at God's creation and do two things. First, the first compound word, I want you to look throughout your whole time growing up and I want you, the things that you do not like about what you see. You have things, I wished I was taller. I wished I was, you know, heavier. I wished I was thinner. I wished my hair was not like this. And you can go on and on, and you have those little things because everybody does. And I want you to go ahead and throw it out and say, God, I have never accepted the way that you made me and the way that I look. I've done that which is evil. I keep comparing myself with other people. And basically what I've done then, as I've said, you made a mistake with parts of me. And God says, no, I made you exactly the way 
that I wanted to make you. You're perfect in my design. And if you will be get to be able to realize, to accept who I made you and what we will be able to move on into what you were designed to be. So first of all, I want you to look at just the appearance. And I want you to go ahead and say, God, I first of all tell you that I re repent from how I viewed this part of me. And I now thank you. And I don't have to understand it. I just want to thank you. Secondly, is that you have just the way you're chemically put together. Doesn't it annoy you sometimes where some people, they just don't seem to be happy all the time. They're just happy. And part of it is they just have a lot of uh, endocrine systems in their body that are releasing endorphins, and they're just happy. And here you have to work at this, and you've struggled with a heavy heart most of your life, and you have to, by faith, believe things. And sometimes even your chemicals aren't right, and so maybe you've had to... Uh, to compensate and have some type of a medical drug that would help out, or maybe you've got diabetes and you have to take this drug. Have you ever just sat and said, God, you made me? And the fall came into being where you went ahead and said, this is how you are going to walk through life. He says, I saw all the days of your life, every one of them before they were written. Can you thank God the way that you're uniquely made? Maybe it has to do with your intellect. Maybe you said, I just wished that I was smarter. In what ways? Be specific. I, in my studies, and when I grew up, uh, studies were pretty much terrible at that time, the way they put that people were smart or not. You had four subjects. If you were good at these four, you were smart. Today, at least, we've gotten a little broader. But I was very good at math and science. Those were, I, they were not hard. I always got A's in math and science. Uh, and, but when it came to reading and, and uh, pronunciation of vocabulary and words and stuff, I literally was not. I would say I would, be, have, would have been called stupid in those areas. Now, because of something else I had, I could memorize things for a short period of time and maybe do okay in the test, but it was gone afterwards. You have probably noticed if you've listened to me up here. I will say many words in a sermon that will not be accurately pronounced. But it's close enough that you've got an idea what I was attempting to say. So you all kind of get it, but I, but I notice it's been something that my siblings especially, my friends and my staff have always kind of nudged themselves whenever I do it. I can tell when I'm doing it because I'm reaching down here and I see the word here and I know what it is in my head and it comes out different than how I saw it. And so, instead of fabricate, I would probably say, instead of fabricate, I would probably, and you'd get I was, what I was saying. And what does God have me do for a living? Speak and write. Absolutely, no way can I take pride in anything I do because I can't do it very well. So, I have to be able to say, God, thank you. Thank you because I have tried my hardest to correct this. My Bible, in the back of my Bible, and this thing has been with me a long time, it has four pages written really small, about 60-some verses about controlling your tongue and, and the words you say. I can't do it. My wife is the opposite. She knows words, understands words, understands vocabulary, reads seven books a week, just reads and reads and reads. And uh, math nothing. I always sit her down and say, now listen, 
I could die anytime. You need to know what's going on. And she just says, tell me if you want. It won't even go in here because it'll just go right out. It'll be a waste of time. And I said, well, what are you going to do? She goes, no matter what you do, I'm just going to call one of my sons and they'll take care of it. So she's at least learned to adjust. Maybe it's your memory. Maybe you hate your memory. I'm not talking about the aging. We'll get to that in a minute. Memorizing Scripture. Have you ever felt, I, I try, but it just doesn't come very much. Anybody have that? I want to memorize Scripture, but it just doesn't come? And you know what? People say, oh, yeah, if you're just not trying hard enough. Well, I have been given at least the ability to memorize Scripture. And it's one of the things that comes very, very easily to me, and I can go ahead and flow with it, but I didn't realize how hard and difficult and sometimes impossible. And so people that do that, as they begin to see that and begin to thank God, God, thank you that this brain doesn't operate that way. What are you wanting me to do to, to hide your word in my heart? How do I do it uniquely different? And if you will go ahead and begin to receive that way that you're made, God's going to turn something and replace it with something that you think you lost on. And it will actually be a benefit in your life. Your gifts. Let me really touch on what I was going for today because this is the one that just flat out leveled me. Every human being, and I know this is true by the Word of God, but I know it's true by experience, I know it's true by my job, every one of you out here has a flesh pattern that you don't like. A flesh pattern of those besetting sins, those tendencies that you don't like about yourself that end up hurting people, or they embarrass you whether those tendencies are fear that you just can't seem to get out of this box of fear and it just it makes you hibernate and not step out maybe it is your tendency for information to always spurt it out at everybody and you're talking way more than you ought to talk and you you, you try to go ahead and be slow to speak and and quick to hear but it just doesn't work it just flows over your mouth it's babbling all the time Maybe you judge people and you end up gossiping when you say, I don't want to gossip. I hate that about myself. I'm just not going to say something evil about anybody anymore. And I'm going to make sure that I'm to, Bob doesn't do it, but I'm not going to. And then pretty soon you're doing it. What is that addiction that you have that you can't stand? And it seems like it's just, I'm just drawn to this thing. What if you just because of some of your giftedness, you're just rigid. This is the right way to do things. And it's like this, and don't bother me with anything that's different because this is the right way. And you, you come back and you think, wow, I, was too, I came off too strong here. I didn't. If some of you aren't hit yet, we can go on. Okay. When I was preparing this and then what I'm about to get into, I did not know what was going to come out in the last week and a half of my life. I have certain particular flesh patterns that I have hated ever since 
even, well, I don't know before as a believer because I didn't have a conscience that much about that, so I really probably didn't care that I was hurting people. But I have a tendency to do certain things, and in doing so, it can really hurt people or it can make them feel small. And so I'm in the middle of saying, okay, how is this really put together? Because I hate it about me. I go back and I just hate it. I can go into a meeting saying, okay, today, God, you and I are going to do something different. I'm not talking. Two minutes into it, somebody says something that I think is quite not right. And I'm, mm, mm, and the verses are coming into my head that are showing us, like, mm, and it bursts out. And I do it again. And it's not just that I bring truth to something that needs to be truth. I bring something that usually would sh shame somebody or make somebody feel bad because of what was said. And I'll leave that, and you don't know that, when I leave that meeting, I am absolutely struggling with that part of my flesh. I hate that about myself. So I'm preparing this week, and I'm, and I'm saying, okay, God, so you're wanting me to bring that, let's just simply, crap that's in my life, make it known to you that, number one, it's there. Number two, you let me continue to have this flesh pattern, and you said, Bill, and it is going to be fitting for you. I'm going to make it known to you and give thanks to you for that thing you gave me in my life. And sure enough, I'm sitting there, I'm kind of seeing where this is going to go. I had no idea it was going to be as intense as it was this week. My son, Nick, who has his own flesh pattern tendencies, will often clash with my flesh pattern tendencies. So we, in, the, in public at the office, we drew swords. And I wasn't going to back down. So I kind of picked up my ball, which was my Bible, and I walked out. Really mature. And I went in there, and I got out of there, and I said, I hate that about me. I can't even believe you chose me. Why do I think at his age 39, I need to keep parenting him and telling him what's the right thing to do? I swear, I go into those things saying, I'm not going to do it. And it happens. Well, lay that aside a guy that's rigid and not very flexible in his ways and try to move him to my opinion. And so he didn't pick up the ball. He kind of was glad I stepped out. Now, the good news, it wasn't five minutes we came together and hugged and, and we talked about each other's crap and said, how can we help each other? But here's the point that I am going to challenge you with. How do I do the same thing with this that I've done with receiving people and the, who they are and how they are, be grateful for them? How can I say to God, God, I don't like this very well, but I'm not you, and you could have changed this any time in the womb, and you left this tendency there.
So I am going to be thankful. I have never thanked him for that in my life of the way that I have my flesh patterns. See, I'd like to have somebody else's flesh pattern. I look at theirs and think, that's it? Oh, I just, I can't believe it. I read way too often. Oh, give it to me, okay? And I know you feel the same way about yours. Don't you feel you've been dealt a raw hand? And you look at other people's, you think, I'd like to have that one. Oh, so I do this a little too often. Big deal. I hate mine. And I had to say, you know what, God, I know you don't want me to walk in the flesh. You want me to walk in the spirit, and that's what I want to do. But when that comes out, can I thank you and receive you and receive the way that you allowed this to stay in my life so that I can end up having it be what it's intended to be. And guess what, guys? We are right in the middle of 2 Corinthians chapter 12 where the Apostle Paul had the same junk, same crap, whatever it was that was his weakness that somehow he hated and hated so terribly that he came before God. I don't think he just came three times to God. I think he came over and over and over and said, get this out of my life. I hate it about me. I can't stand it about me. And God says, no. My grace is sufficient for you in your weakness. Thank God and thank him for that weakness that it may do what it was intended to do. To make you become aware in your own strength you can't live this Christian life at all. It is a beautiful reminder of your total dependency upon me to live this life. And what does Paul say? I now have learned to boast in this weakness that Christ might be glorified and he might be raised up and strong. Here's what he's saying, and here's what I'm challenging you. I'm not saying go out and sin more often. I'm saying that when that weakness you hate, have you ever just said, God, I want to be grateful and thankful? It says, in all ways that you've been made. I want to thank you that this continually and it's happened for 50 years of my spiritual life, and that's where I'll be 50 years old in this coming year. It's still there. I would have thought 50 years it'd be gone. And I think I'm getting better at some of it, but it's a beautiful reminder. God says, can you thank me and be grateful to me that this thing of yours, this flesh pattern, reminds you of becoming more and more dependent upon me and it's a beautiful thing because you can now boast in it for this reason it causes you to know that you and I were made to inhabit each other's lives and that's what the purpose and I ask you to do that with your with who you are with how you put together and the way that you put together it will change your life and lastly I want to tell you briefly for those of you out here there's some I can see you just by the way that uh, Solomon explained. He said, every human being is going to age. And then he goes on and he says, these are the things that are going to happen. And he says this in Ecclesiastes. And when they happen, can you be grateful and thankful to know that when something is decreasing, God is going to increase something else? Can you open your eyes to what he's increasing rather than spend your time on what you're losing? He says, your, the windows are going to become foggy. You're going to, your eyesight's going to go poor. You're going to start, I've never had to do this before with glasses. Okay. I've been lucky. But now I have to do that to see your faces so when you roll your eyes and stuff. Okay. <laughs> he says your hearing is going to go. He says you're going to wake up early and can't sleep. 
your teeth are going to start having problems. Your hair's going to disappear or turn white. Your desires are going to fade. Your voice is going to quiver. Your fear is going to be heightened. You're going to begin to shake. You're going to have troubles bending down. Now, we can either say, I hate this. I hate getting old. But he says, what I want you to do is to now look and see that every single thing that you're starting to lose, something is being replaced in that. Though the outer person is decaying day by day, there's an inner man being renewed moment by moment, and it's going to happen when this person completely dies that this person alive is going to be completely whole. Can you see that when your eyes and your ears, Bill, are starting to get worse, that if you will pay attention, I will sharpen your spiritual eyes and your spiritual ears. I will let you see things that can't be seen by human sight. I will let you hear things, hear my voice that can't be seen. Would you begin to rejoice in what's being replaced then rather than focusing on the loss and becoming bitter and critical? Does that make sense to you? As Tom comes up and plays a song, I just want to pray for us. Father, I thank you, number one, that you revealed some of these things to me. I reveal to you and to this congregation that I have not got this under control. But I want to be grateful. I want to have a grateful heart, not just to you, not just to people, but I want to be grateful for how you uniquely made me. And I pray that these people will have the same heart and that we will begin to look and journey together in the joy of what you're replacing those things we have with. And most of all, Father, I pray that as we do so, that you would cause us to beauty in the reminder that we were made for union with you. And I'm going to ask you to accomplish that in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm.